Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thank you for listening. Get it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts from, uh, the Google Play Store and all of that, or pulphockey.com. You can just get it the old-fashioned way. Uh, We're here each and every week talking about hockey. Playoffs are coming. Uh, Regular season races are are winding down here, and uh, plenty, plenty to talk about. And we'll take your questions at Pulp Hockey on Twitter later on. I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line is the guy that uh, really knows the game, the the guy you really want to listen to, former NHLer. Now TSN lead color analyst, the best in the game, although I'm biased, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? Um, just finished lunch. I'm in Tampa. got a Leaf game tonight, and um, my family's down. We're going to take a little vacation for three days, and it's the same every year in March when we take a vacation in Florida. It's cloudy, so. Yeah. Never yeah all good. <laughs> uh, uh, man, we get it every year. It's like <laughs> whatever week we book, yeah. we seem to be the the bookers that are dragging the weather down. Right, right. You're bringing Vancouver weather to Florida. Oh, so the kids, of course, they don't care. They're in the pool. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's warm enough. We're in the pool. So are you? And I'm talking to you. Are you the dad that gets away for golf with the family, or no? No. Okay. I, I know you love I golf. Am, uh, I know you love golf. So I'm just checking. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. I don't. My wife is awesome. Um, and she would give me the green light, but yep. nah, this is family time. I like being around. The kids are fun. Sure, sure. Uh, a couple things today. Brian Englom is going to be on the show, play by or color analyst for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, two-time Stanley Cup winner and a real good guy. I did a, a long one-on-one podcast with him. Check the archives. Um, real, really interesting uh, The one guy. thing about, I would say, wouldn't you say, Steve, for if you just watch him on TV, you wouldn't have – any idea what a great storyteller he is Mm -hmm. and how funny he is Yeah, because he just, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't, he just seems like a really nice guy, which he is on TV. Yeah. But when he tells stories, man, he's got this, he gets right into them. They're really good. So uh, we'll get Angie on and uh, talk a little bit about Tampa, talk about playing for Scotty Bowman. He's got a couple of, like like everybody that played for Scotty, yeah. he's got a couple or a hundred stories. I cannot reconcile Scotty Bowman on these interviews where I, I hear him on these interviews and he's a jolly old guy laughing and he's got full of stories. He seems like a great guy. And when you talk to just about anybody who played for him, they didn't really like him. He did not sound like a nice guy. It's it's No, and, that, and that's but the thing is that was that's okay. Yeah. Because he didn't care. Mm-hmm. He was just doing his job, and if you liked him, you liked him, and if you didn't, you didn't. Yeah. And as it turns out, most of the guys, as time goes on, they recognize when you had a coach that was a hard ass, you're you're like, oh, that's why he did it. I understand. Oh, yeah, yeah. it makes more sense later. But at the time, you're like, man, I can't stand him. I hate the way he dresses. <laughs> right. I hate everything. He doesn't even, I hate his car. 
Uh, and can you imagine? And, and by the way, Brian Ingram too. Um, ESPN two. He was for me. That's why I remember Brian Ingram the most. Uh, kind of when I first yep. came to the U.S., he was really busy with ESPN two games, and that was your era too. Uh, later on, of course, but that was Brian Ingram to me is ESPN two. Yeah, he had uh, had the long long mullet. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> finally he cut it and. Uh, Looks more respectable, but he's enjoying his days in Tampa. That's for sure. Um, and he's got a good team to broadcast. Yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll talk to him. Absolutely. Can you imagine sitting in that room with those late seventies Habs, and you're just looking around at these guys, and you're just like, "Well, we're going to win again tonight, for one." Yeah, but here's the other thing: is you're sitting there, I'm sure, and you don't think, "Oh, Guy Lafleur is a Hall of Famer, and Serge Savard, and Guy Lapointe, and Larry Robinson, and Ken Dryden, and Jacques Lemaire, and mm-hmm. on and on and on." You just think those are that's my team, yeah. Right at yeah. the time, I don't know. We'll ask Brian. Yeah, like, sure. He must have known, man. I'm sitting in greatness here. <laughs> right, right. Uh, also, you know, um, we'd be remiss to not mention Bobby Orr turned seventy today. The great Bobby Orr, and that was your guy, Ray. Oh, uh, my idol. Many, many people's idol. What style he played the game with, and um, if you don't, if you're listening and you don't know really much about Bobby Orr. Mm-hmm. Go to Hockey DB, pull up his stats, and get ready to be blown away. Yeah. Like, yeah. just, you know, one, one year, 37 goals, 102 assists, 139 points. Another year, uh, I believe, 146 points. <laughs> like, I, I know the times were different. I get that. But he's a bloody defenseman. Right? Like, yeah. Bill Esposito told me a story last week that – Bobby was killing a penalty against Oakland and uh, the California Golden Seals. And he's ragging the puck. So Phil's on the ice and he's standing in front of the Boston bench, just kind of standing there. Mm -hmm. And Bobby drops his glove. And it's a famous piece of video. You can find it. And he goes back, circles back to pick up his glove while he's got the puck. Picks (laughs) up his glove. And Jerry Cheevers, the Bruins goalie, was backing up that night. He says to Phil, who's on the ice, Hey, Phil, do you want the racing form so you got something to do? Yeah. And they were even just standing there talking right. to Cheevers while Orr was killing the penalty. Picking up his glove like, and everything. Right. Um, you know what is cool about those older guys, though, Steve, is most people that have been around the game for a while, they have a story about meeting Bobby or mm-hmm. playing against Bobby or, you know, coming across him somewhere. And it's it's remarkable how many people he and then before him, Gordy Howe, had touched and Wayne Gretzky will be the same. Yeah. People either, people either have a signature mm-hmm. of Bobby Orr or Wayne Gretzky or Gordy Howe or know somebody that does. It's really pretty amazing. It's, you know, what also is amazing when it comes to Howe or, and Gretzky, three guys off the top of my head, uh, icons. And like you said, just, just legends. And I don't know, Ray, because I'm just, I'm a fan, you know, you're more involved in the game, but I don't, nobody has any stories about these three guys being dicks. <laughs> Like, they seem like great no. guys. Everybody says what amazing people those three guys were and are. Yeah, they, they didn't, they don't, weren't necessarily on the ice. Like, Bobby Orr had a brutal temper yep. on the ice. And at one point, they had to work. You know, the teams were like, man, you've got to stop fighting. We need you on the ice. Mm-hmm. And eventually got it under control. You know, when people thought Kretzky complained a lot on the ice, and people thought Gordie Howe, well, not thought, they, he elbowed people. Yeah, he all did. Over the yeah. Place. Right. <laughs> but, Absolute gentlemen, all three of them. Um, and uh, I've met Bobby numerous times. Um, he signed a picture 
uh, for us for our wedding of, the, of his famous goal. John Butchergrass got it for us. And uh, it says to, you know, to Ray and Cammie, um, uh, two great players, one great team, fly high forever, Bobby Orr. And it's in my office. And, oh, my God, it's, my, it's, it's one of my favorite things. Oh, that's, that, that, that is pretty cool. Um, pulled up his stats here. Plus 124. It's yeah. <laughs> Like, was he ever on for a goal again? Like, well, somebody had he, to score again. He him. scored 139 points, and he was a plus 124. <laughs> 124. I think that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nuts. Um, when you oh, think- by the way, got some got some great news here that uh, my oldest son Matt and his wife Manroop are scheduled to have their baby this afternoon so we're going to be grandparents again this nice. little girl so nice we are very very pumped now this is great congratulations that's awesome yeah gramps that gramps right um oh i know yeah that's a that's a scary word right when you think about it <laughs> oh yeah um, hey let's uh let's get into uh some of the things going on today so um you are down in tampa like you said you're doing the leafs uh, lightning tonight that's uh, I'd like to talk about the Leafs, but I'm just going to move on um, from that. Uh, Matthews yeah. is coming back. Freddie's back. They're on a roll, and I'm happy. But the Bruins Lightning battle. Tampa has uh, Bruins have a game in hand, and uh, that is going to get intense before the end of the year. And honestly, I don't know how Boston's doing it right now, but they look amazing. Well, they they are, and they've been this way for about three months. And you look at the people they have out of their lineup, I and know. you're like. It, it just doesn't make sense. But then, you know, we always hear teams, oh, we're building organizational depth, which is a crock of crap because it never means anything until it means something. Mm-hmm. And right now, it means something. So as they're going along through their season, Ryan Donato is playing at Harvard University, averaging just about a goal a game. Season ends, they sign him, he comes in the lineup, gets a goal and an assist, a goal and two assists yep. um, yesterday. So, like, that's organizational depth. Mm-hmm. They get Banton Hainan signed. He had a great first half. He slowed down a bit, hit the rookie wall, but he's he's had an impact. Lou DeBrusque's son Jake is is had a had a great great rookie season. Mm-hmm. Um, they add two years ago it's Brandon Carlo. This year it's Charlie McAvoy. Like they're they're a really really good team. And when they get Bergeron, who's skating, when they get him back, when they get Chara, when they get DeBrusque. Um, I haven't heard um, a whole lot about McAvoy. He's a little bit longer term, yep. but so man, like they're yeah. they good. And so now they're three back in Tampa. They got two in hand, or two games left with Tampa plus the one in hand. Boston could pass them, of course. Yeah. I mean, the numbers tell you they can. But you know, we're sitting here um, talking this morning about odds. Oh, you know, Tampa's not playing very well and. They're ten one and one in their last twelve. Yeah, yeah, really, really. Um, it, it's. I think you said last week on the show or the maybe the week four. They're kind of just floating around, you know. <laughs> you nope. look, you're like, oh wait, they're, yeah. It's kind of like early in the year when the Leafs were putting all those points in the bank. Yep. But everybody could see they weren't playing very well. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Tampa's doing now. Yep. And so, um, I mean, they've they've got eight or nine games left, I guess, to uh, to lock down the. Uh, Lock down the playoffs, and um, you know, lock down for the playoffs, and that's that's really what they're playing for. They're going to have home ice advantage in the first round. Um, you know, they're either going to yeah. finish first or second. They're yeah. in a great spot, 
Um, they're going to get Andre Palat back tonight. He's a very valuable guy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they got lots of versatility, lots of skill, lots of offense, and um, we'll just see if they can, you know, they can be good enough defensively to go on a long run. As a Leaf fan, who do I want? to see in the first round. I don't want to see either one, obviously. It doesn't look good. They're going to be underdogs. But if there is there a favorite for the Leafs and, and what they can do against either one of these guys? Nah, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, everybody <laughs> seems to think, you know, everybody seems to think Tampa, but I'm like, why the hell would you want to play them? Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's not like, no. a, it's not like a great prize. Nope. So, I, I don't know, maybe Boston's a little more physical. There may be a little more experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I go, man, they got a lot of young guys too. Yep. So I, I don't, if I, if I say Tampa, I don't even think I really believe it myself. Sure. I yeah. think this division's a really difficult one. Uh, the team that's going to get out of here um, is, is going to be lucky, but they're going to be good because they're going to have to get through two monster opponents. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a great race, and 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 at some at different points, you know, you thought but not just this division, yeah, hey, not just this no. division. Like, who the hell's going to get out of the Metro division? Yep. But you know, like, gee, you know, you look at them and you go, I don't know, Washington's in first place again. Is it going to be them? Wow, oh, Columbus is starting to play well again. What if it's that? Could it be Pittsburgh again? Why not? Yeah, no, um, lots of good stuff. No, I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be insane. Uh, and and if Washington and Pittsburgh meet again in the, in, the, in the playoffs again, it's gonna be nutty. Like I I I think it's Washington's year a little bit. I don't know Ray about a cup, but I feel like Washington when we discount them now, they are gonna pull together. You know what I mean? I just I don't know. Don't you think that happens a lot? Mm-hmm. Like you you kind of you kind of close the book on somebody. And you go, nah, they're kind of done. I, I think the window's closed. And then yep. out of left field, bam, yep. they're in. Uh, something I want to talk to you about in, in our notes for this pod, I sent it to you the other day. Like, I know the Preds are 9-0-1, and I know they have 10 points on the Jets. But Stastny is looking great. Shifley is back. Now, Truba, it looks like he had a concussion. I really oh, like he the, did. You know, <laughs> I really like the Jets. I, I I know I know Preds are I probably don't pay enough attention to Preds like everybody else outside of the you know you do because you know you follow it so closely but man I I look at the Jets lineup and I'm like this is they're, and they're going to get some guys back I really like the Jets right now uh, the Jets the Jets are uh, a terrific team they really are uh, I think one of the league's best um, now as we're talking about getting out of your division mm-hmm. so they're going to probably play Minnesota in the first round. Looks like it. Yep. And and you could say, well that's a you know, they would have an advantage um on on Minnesota. But what if what if Devin Dubnik has a great two weeks? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's of course very possible. And Minnesota's a good team. So you know, I never think um I I never think there's a great advantage or a great favorite, but I would pick Nashville to win. You would, huh? Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. Yeah, right? yeah, you're still Nashville guy, but, right? Yeah, but I'm with you. Winnipeg is outstanding. They're they're fast and they're big and they're skilled. I think the inexperience at some point matters. Uh huh. Maybe it would against Nashville. I mean, that's virtually the same Nashville team, or pretty damn close to it, that went back to uh, you know that went to the Stanley yeah. Cup final last year. Mm-hmm. You've been watching Patrick Laine just ripping up the league lately. Oh. Every time I turn them yeah. on or whatever, he is just on fire. 
Yeah, he has been. He doesn't miss lately. That's for sure. No, it, you know it's it's uh it's it's really quite amazing. Does he have the best shot in the league right now? Yes. Right? I think he does. Well, when I say, oh yeah, it's like not like the guys I put him in front of are you know shooting muffins up no, there. No. But as far as a one timer, nobody shoots it as accurately or successfully right now as Line. A. Yeah, I agree. Are you getting anywhere closer to thinking about an MVP and who get who would get your vote? Um, I, it seems to be. Yeah, I, I, for me, if I'm voting today, it's Nathan McKinnon. Um, okay. And I do have a vote. Yep. And I, so I will cast a vote at some point. Um, Nathan McKinnon, um, Blake Wheeler, um, Evgeny Malkin. Um, those would be. Yep. Those would be guys rated. I, you know, Kucherov, I would put in there. He's leading the league in, in points. Um, yeah, Kucherov, I but think. I mean, those would be. Sorry? Kucherov will have to be in the top three. He'll be nominated for sure. I mean, he may win. Like, no, but that's a, that's a nominee. But when you throw out six, seven guys that all could be in your in your final three, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, McKinnon, how can McKinnon not be there? Well, Last year, Colorado was the worst team in the league. Yep. By a million points, <laughs> and right. he's having an amazing year, amazing year, and he's right near the top in goals. He's right near the top in points. He doesn't have Murderer's Row to play with, and look where he is. He to me, he's he's the guy. But if Avalanche don't make the playoffs, he's still your guy. You said last week that it's got to be an amazing season if the team yep. does yeah doesn't yep. make the playoffs. Okay, yeah, uh, I. I can't. Who's more valuable to their team if that's what we're voting on mm-hmm. than Nathan McKinnon? We're not voting who's got the most points or who's the tallest. We're voting, as the award says, most valuable to their team. Yes, I agree. That is the the the, the voting um, regulations, but that's it doesn't the always. Criteria. Yeah, it doesn't always seem to go that way though in years past, right? Like it's kind of. Well, <clears throat> I can't speak to what the other guys do, but right. that's that's how. That's how I would vote if mm-hmm. it were today, but there's still there's still a little bit left, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of a little bit left, Calgary Flames were really hoping to get uh, Mike Smith back, and that would be the push they need. They had been struggling. We talked about them either last week or the week before, and really, I mean, like you said, it should be the National Goaltending League, and so they were waiting on that. He comes back. He shuts out the Oilers one nothing. Everything looks good. And then they have just tanked since then. Uh, they're uh, lost three in a row. They are th- six points out right now and not looking good. Calgary Flames. No, they they look like they're done. Yeah. And um, I would say that would be the biggest, one of the biggest disappointments uh, in the National Hockey League this year, that they don't make it. Um, if they don't make it, which it looks like they're not going to, mm-hmm. they also traded a first-round pick to the Islanders that they didn't protect in the lottery. Like the Islanders could end up with the first overall pick, and it's Calgary's, and they could get Rasmus Dahlin. You imagine? <laughs> they, they also don't have a second-round pick this year either. Yep. Like yep. that's a that's a debacle. Yeah. Yep. It's uh. So I, I would say they're, you know, I thought they were a playoff team for sure. Mm-hmm, I did too, yeah. So I'm I'm very, very disappointed or 
shocked, maybe, really. I, I, you know, I don't think it's a lock. Oh, they're what, such a great team they could never miss. But, man, this was uh, that was disappointing to me to see, uh, surprising that they miss. Yeah, right now, if you look at the playoff teams, obviously nobody had the Knights in there. I would think very few people had the Kings bouncing back, and I think very few people would say the Avalanche are bouncing back. You would put the blue. You would put oh, the blues nobody, in. You know, nobody, nobody would have even considered Colorado. No, no. So you would have put I the mean, blues like, seriously. The, the blues, the Flames, and the Blackhawks probably in those three spots, right? That are well. I had you know. I had Dallas as a playoff team. Yeah. Um, I thought I actually thought L.A. would slip slip this year. And I mean, they're only in by two points, so it's not like they've yeah. locked anything down. Yep. But um, you know, they're. I don't know. Yeah. It's so hard to predict year to year now. I mean, uh, but at the start of the year, you're right. I mean, nobody would have picked Vegas to be there, and most people would have picked Calgary to be in. Yeah. Yeah. The, the worst is the, the worst is they make you guys, you experts, make all your picks. You know, before the no, season I call starts. them our guesses. Right. Not predictions. They're I just mean, guesses. It literally is just. It's so. We talked about this uh, a few shows ago. How long the year is, and how many things can happen. And go sideways. So you go, you lose, you lose your game for a month. Maybe you're out. You, you know, like look at Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Philly was dead. They lost ten in a row. And yeah. now you're like, oh, look, look at the Flyers. There they are. They're in pretty good shape. Yeah, three. And you're three, like, yeah. well, how the hell did that happen? But you wouldn't have predicted that if I would have said to you at the start of the year, Philly's going to lose, is going to go zero five and five in ten games. Can they make the playoffs? You would have been like, not a chance. With, here they are. They right. got a six-point cushion. Hey, if you Florida's got three games in hand, they so. do. Yeah. Um, hey, if you're on a team that's not making the playoffs and you've been there with the Thrashers and probably with the maybe with the Hartford, with the Whalers a few times, are you already making plans for the se- the day after the season's over? Uh, it depends. Um, you know, if you got family, you're not going anywhere because the kids are in school. If you're okay, um, you know the the young guys probably are starting to look at it. Why not? <laughs> You're already like, okay, hey, let's April. Well, you're going to be here for a week. Right. You're going to have a year-end get-together and stuff. You'll be here for a week. you got to do physicals and mm-hmm. meetings and all that stuff, and then book a trip, and then you're going to get home. It's still not going to be the end of April. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and then you get going again. Did you watch the playoffs? You might have watched the playoffs, Ray, because you you love it. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I, I, always, I always knew what was going on for sure. Right. But uh, it's not like I – Oh, I got to hustle home uh, from my golf game so I can watch the playoffs. I would have picked it up in the second period when I got home. Yeah, I bet you there's some guys that don't even don't even turn on a TV to watch hockey. They're probably so no. There's yeah. lots. Of, there's lots of those guys. They're like they have no idea. They don't care. Really? Huh? Lots of guys now. Oh yeah. yeah. Lots of guys in the season that don't know who they play next. They just look at what's in front of them. Isn't that crazy to be like that? But I guess when you're in a bubble, that's the way you are. That's just how it is. You just. Marching forward, right? Yeah, you just you just kind of you do your thing. But I like again, I knew, and mm-hmm. I don't know why I knew all the time. I guess I was just interested. That's all. Yeah, I th- I just th- I think you love hockey. <laughs> you really really love hockey. Yeah, I, love, yeah. I like right. I like sports. I like I follow. I like you know I just like it. It's some people like music. I I like music if I hear a good song, but I can't tell you. Yeah. Oh, I love that band. Any of the new bands. I have no idea. Yeah. 
Couldn't tell you. Um, speaking of the Flames, they got bombed out by the Sharks uh, the other day. Evander Kane got four, and Evander Kane is somebody that we've talked about on this on this podcast. Now that trade to bring him over from Buffalo. Um, there's there's a compensation in there if they do not sign him, which makes it look like San Jose plans to sign him to a long term deal. He's playing great. You told me earlier, Ray, that, uh, in the show that you would be very wary of signing Evander Kane to a long term deal. What do you think of his play so far? And and has, have you changed your mind at all? Um, well, I think he's played outstanding. Yeah. Um, this is this is the Evander Kane and the Evander Kane that played early in the year in Buffalo that that you want, that you fall in love with as a Italian evaluator or a scout or mm-hmm. a coach or a manager. You're like, God, if we could bottle that, that's what we want. Now, maybe Evander's matured, right? Maybe he's walked past some of the stuff that he did before. And, hell, a lot of us would do the same thing. You know, when you're 20, 21, 22, you'd probably walk past a lot of stuff you did. Yeah. Then and go, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. Sure. But you also have to balance now – is he on his best behavior because of where he is and the point of his contract and all that stuff? Like maybe, you know, that's something else you have to determine. There's no denying that Kane can skate, can shoot, can be a, an impactful forward, a dominant, not a dominant, an impactful power forward. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a complete package. It's just whether he is in the mindset to do that. And, how much are you going to bet? That's what that's what teams are going to have to determine. Now San Jose is getting a first-hand look, and they're liking what they look. Yeah. Maybe he likes it in San Jose. Maybe he goes, you know what? I, I can live here. I like this place. Um, I think the team is in good shape, and with me here, I think we're a good team. So maybe he does decide to stay. Mm-hmm. But um, I would always, I would always have to be a little careful. Um, I would always want to talk to as many people as I could around him yep. to find out what he's really like today. Because what he was like five years ago is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. He easily could have grown out of that. I'd be scared. <laughs> I'd be so scared to sign him to a long-term deal. But, yeah, when he's on, yeah, he's but, on. But, yeah. but the thing is, you don't... I mean, he was terrific this year in Buffalo. Yeah, for the and most part. Place was a flag. Yep. Right? Yep. And so... I, um, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested in him, the player. And I'd, I'd want to make sure I take a look at what else is out there, compare it to Kane, if I'm in the running for Kane, and see, okay, so, because each, each signing, Steve, you're, you're making a gamble anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would say, okay, so the gamble with Kane versus the gamble with player X, what is it? And what am I comfortable with? Because Evander Kane's a hell of a player. Speaking of contracts, JVR's deal uh, with his with his streak lately, he's been he's been playing very well, scoring a lot of goals. Of course, he's unrestricted. Doubt the Leafs are going to keep him. What do you think he gets? Ray? Why not? Why not? I mean, you think they might? This this excites me. Well, why you, not? Um, do they have the cap room to do that? Do they? I mean, sure they they do they do because uh, Bolzak and Kamarov would come off the yep. books at seven point. Seven point two million, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to sign Elander. Yep. So let's assume he's in the five million range. Maybe he's not, but I'm just guessing. Okay. So that's four million of the seven million used up. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So now you've got uh, Van Riemsdyk, who makes four point five. Are you going to pay him six point five? 
if that's enough, well, then you're using up two million of your of the seven. Yeah. Do you? And, and yeah. so then the following year, then you get into a couple other contracts that expire because you're going to need more room for Matthews and Marner. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it is possible if they don't replace them. It's not as easy as adding Andreas Johnson and saying, oh, the team will be great. Right. I think you'd miss Ben Reemsdijk a lot. Yeah, it's, you know, Babcock seems to not use him a lot in defensive situations, and, and you know, he doesn't get a lot of even strength minutes. So all what? The time, he's but, got 31 goals. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. He's got 31 goals, <laughs> exactly. And, and that's what like, you'd have to replace. You know, everybody, everybody gets, everybody gets uh, uh, all excited about, oh, he doesn't play 20 minutes a game. Babcock's job is to put the player in the mm-hmm. position to be the most successful. Well, if he was playing more minutes, would he have more goals? Or would he pace himself because he's getting more minutes? Yeah. I don't know. But right now, 31 bloody goals looks pretty good to me. Well, you've said this over and over, Ray. Everyone, every time people look at the, what, he's, what the player isn't, what he's not, you know, instead of looking at what, you, what he is. Right? Like, People always always yep, happen. Yep, and that's thirty one goals. Always happen. <laughs> this guy can't. This guy can't do this. This guy can't do this. I know, but what can he do? And if you can score, I'd be, I'd be really concerned that replacing those goals isn't going to be as easy as you think. Mm-hmm. Six five, you think might be the range he's at? I mean, obviously, who knows with with what happens? But who six, knows? Yeah, six, five seven, I guess. I yep. guess. Right. But don't forget. You know, uh, he's at an age now that teams are starting to be a little more leery of what they give out. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good news, right? I didn't think uh, some of the projections I had read, they didn't look like they could fit them in, but maybe they can, yeah. Well, you got to move the numbers around. And, right. I mean, that's what Brandon Pridham, who's their cap guy, that's that's his gig. And, man, it's a, it's an important one, more and more important as time goes on. Right, Absolutely. Uh, something we haven't done always on the show, but we're going to bring it back, is what's bugging Ray? Uh, it's a regular segment you have on TSN here and there, and uh, we've we've done it on this show before. And so what's bugging Ray? What's bugging you, Ray? Well, as always, you can always, um, you can always, you know, tweak me with goalie interference. Oh, boy. And so the, um, the GMs are meeting in Florida, and uh, the NHL apparently is moving towards having the, final call on goalie interference reviews made by the Toronto video room, Mm -hmm. which I don't, they're, they're, they're trying to see if they can do it immediately, but like, that's just come out of the meetings. But that to me is ridiculous in that you've got somebody who's not even there. They're looking at it in video in slow motion um, I think that distorts what happens. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, the the video should be the video review should be in touch with the official to tell you what he saw on the ice, but also it should be in in um, regular speed. As soon as you slow the thing down, now you're bringing in things that don't really matter, but they look like they do because it's in slow motion. I'm I'm no opponent of video review i'm an opponent in the fact that they're trying to fix this without clarifying the rule and i think it's garbage it bugs me they don't have the balls to to make the rule more clear they don't know how to do it so now they're saying okay let's change the video review process (laughs) instead of actually how about change the rule yeah 
or clarify the rule. Because here's the thing. They're going to change this. Say they adopt this policy. Mm-hmm. The players still don't know what the hell the rule is. No, it doesn't really do anything. Right, yeah. And so this is a very NHL-type path to follow. So, yes, it does bug me. It, what about Colin Campbell's assertion that uh, the goalies are they're now you know, uh, being told to exaggerate contact and, and draw penalties? Do you, do you buy that? Is that something that you, you believe in? Or, I mean, I'm sure it happens in some cases. We've sure, seen it. Yeah. sure. Yeah. If, a guy, if a guy realizes he's not going to get there and he's is a player close to him, why not try and draw an interference? Sure. Of course. Yep. They do it all over the ice. Why would the goalies be any different? Right. Yeah, just just make a rule that fixes it. I'm with you. Just just make a like we talked about last week, the international rule. Just or do something like that. Well, just but, something. but that could be the base. But the point is, clarify what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Adding adding this. Oh no, all all decisions are going to be made in the league offices. Well, good for you because that's really worked well in the past. <laughs> I, it's it's would it would it be fair to say that this whole thing has been terrible? The, the offside and the goalie interference, the video review they've brought in, this has been terrible. Is terrible too strong of a word? Terrible. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's terrible, but it's it's added. It's not yeah. added as much clarity as they thought. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. As far as clarity, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, by yeah, the, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be this kind of mess. No, no. It, it, and, it, and like you said, it kind of... Like moving it, moving the review from the referee to the to the control room, it, that doesn't do anything. What does that do? How's that going to help? It does nothing. <laughs> I'm with it does you. nothing at all. Right. Uh, well, that is another edition of What's Bugging Ray. Uh, hey, with such a limited time to enjoy your watercraft, don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect your property in the event of an accident or a theft. Let Wyatt Dowling ensure you are properly covered. Leave your worries at the door. Uh, allpointinsurance.ca is for our Canadian listeners, which there are a lot of them. Allpointinsurance.ca, all risk, agreed value protection, three-year new model replacement. So please check that out if you want to protect your watercraft. Um, it's coming up. It's March 20th today as we do this. So, um, yeah, look into that, people. Cause, uh, it's getting close, man. It is, it's getting right? close, isn't it? I hope so. First day of spring, man. I live in Vegas, so it's always just I, I, the seasons are just. How the hell with you then? No, I'm just saying I don't even know. You don't even pay attention. I right? know. I, I, What's the weather like there today? Yeah, it's um, should be about seventy today. Oh, geez, so you guys are probably a little chilly. Yeah, yeah, it actually a little cloud cover. Yeah, a little cloud cover. Um, hey, well, one something we uh, want to touch on too with you, Ray, is the Carolina Hurricanes GM search. They are. Had a bunch of people pull out uh, of their search. Paul Fenton did. Um, a couple of other names that escape me. Um, and and they well, said Paul Fenton. Um, oh, Mike, Mike Fuda. Mike Fuda. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Fitzgerald. Um, and and the one thing that is becoming pretty clear is these are guys that have waited for their chance to be general managers. Fenton and Fuda in particular. Mm-hmm. And they went in for an interview and they said, "I'm dying to be a GM. Not there." Yeah, so we're. It tells you what what's going on, doesn't yeah, it? Nobody yeah. wants to work for. Him. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to work in his definition of what the general manager should do. Nobody wants to work for the salary he's offering. Yeah, Nick Kiprios reported so, it was a pretty low salary. That, uh, yeah, I mean it's yeah. like it, it's amazing to me. Always is amazing that guys who make their fortune. 
in business, they get to sports, and then all of a sudden, they're going to do something different. They're going to be, you know, they're going to, they're going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Yet when they build their businesses and make their hundreds of millions of dollars, they hire a financial officer who does that. They hire a marketing person who does that. They hire a CEO who does that. But not in hockey. They're going to be involved in the personnel decisions. What the hell do they know about it? Yeah, right. I mean, it's their money. They can do whatever they want. It just doesn't make any to very little sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, it's not a good look for them. <laughs> they apparently uh, either they suspended it to the summer or they're doing it more low key or something. But it's not a good look for for the Carolina Hurricanes right now. And I guess you probably can see the writing on the wall. Ron Francis will be leaving at some point. You know what I mean? Obviously, he got well. He, he got I mean, moved. he's not gonna he's not gonna sit there and do nothing. Right. Exactly. So, um, oh well, we'll see what happens. Although he is getting paid for another year. So yeah, there is that, right? Um, all right, let's uh, let's get some Twitter questions from people. We uh, we had quite a bit on them. Uh, by the way, that John Morris that we did last week on the Hockey Card Show. Did you see that? Yeah. That that tweet. They they the, they found him. He was uh, playing overseas for a long time. He was a uh, well. I don't think yeah. I don't. When you say they found him, I don't think they had to. No, no, but, but, party, did but they? no, but we just. I learned more about him. I learned. I read about him. It was. Okay, it was there on you a, go. There you go. A, a, yeah, I don't think he was all right. Uh, I think he was okay. So, um, Jeff, speaking of John Morris, Jeff Lawton brought him up. But also, what did Ray think of the Reeves hit on uh, TJ Brody the other night, VGK and, and Flames? I thought it was a big hit. Yeah. I thought, you know, I know people are, you know, I didn't hear a lot of it, but you look at the hit and, um, you know, his feet come off the ice, but that's after contact. Mm-hmm. And if you if you make a hit, Eventually, there's nothing to keep your feet on the ice. Your momentum is going to pull your feet off. And so I, I thought it was clean and it was hard and yeah. it was big. Yeah, it reminded um, me a little bit of the, the thing is. Go ahead. Sorry, but you, um, there's not many hits like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if the defense looks for the guy coming like that. Now that's different than when Matt Cook used to hit guys coming or Rafi Torres used to hit guys who were coming around the net offensively. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember, they used yep. to come down from their point and just flatten those guys? Yep. Um, that, that's different than this hit. Um, it, you know, it's probably not much, but because Reeves is going in the same direction, but there's no way um, the other hit was anything, anything more than predatory. Yep. This is... This is a little bit predatory because he's he's not looking to get to the puck. No, but there's nothing in the book in the rule book that says you can't make this hit. Yeah, I know. I agree. It was big. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm not one of these guys that fights change the games and hits change the games. I'm always kind of roll my eyes at a lot of that because you you hear that from old school hockey people. Um, but it kind of did shift the game a little bit. Flames were playing really well. They were kind of all over them and. Like VGK ran away with that after that, and uh, I it did. I don't think that was the reason why, but it changed the game a little bit. It really did. The game picked up, got a little feisty. Vegas started, you know, playing a little better. Woke them up a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not one of those dudes that that well, says it all the time, but it, in that case, it did. Well, yeah, and I mean, and you're there, so you saw it. Yep. So you can, you yeah. can make an a, an opinion on it. To me, I don't think it changes games 
as often as people think. No. But once in a while, mm-hmm. things get dumped on its ear because of a hit. Yeah, absolutely. Different from your day, where I, I would think oh. it was dramatically different. You know, things did change. But uh, Yeah, and because guys, and then there would be, somebody would get out and they'd be fighting away. And, you yeah. know, I mean, the, the game would change. Right. Uh, Craig Thiessen, Ray's favorite current NHL home uniforms. Home uniforms. Favorite ones. Uh, well, see, I think, first of all, I think the home uniforms uh, should be white. Yeah, you go back right? go back to the old, old Oh, school. yeah. Yep, yep. Because, and the reason I think that is that if you're a a fan and your team's wearing dark, you always see white jerseys coming in. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it was fun to see the other guys come in in different colored jerseys, yeah. right? To see yeah. Yeah. Different 30 yeah. different, different colors come in. I, I like that. When your team's wearing the dark, you see 30 different white jerseys. Sure. And you know, I don't, I don't know, not, not, not for me. So if we're going with the darks, um, oh, I mean, any of the original six are, yeah. I think are pretty awesome. Um, I'm just looking through. It's going to be hard to beat I Chicago. Like Nashville. Yeah. Nashville? Yeah. I like Nashville with the yellow helmets because it's their own look. Yep. I don't particularly love the yellow, but I like that they've made it their thing. Sure. I, I think that's good. I love Winnipeg's uniforms. When they came back in the league, mm-hmm. they did an outstanding job. Their their whole kit yeah. is outstanding. No, they did. I, I was. Uh, I really was thinking like. Please name them the Jets. They got to name them the Jets. There was talk they weren't going to do that, and uh, they they did that. And then they pulled off those uniforms. It was like a perfect, a perfect introduction. I think you know using the name Jets and then with those uniforms, it was great. Yeah, they look they look sharp. Uh, they're clean. I like the ones that aren't complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, like the ones that look like they're trying too much. You're like, yeah, no good. I still like the whale too. By the way, I still like the whale. The whale aren't clean. Yeah. Uh, They're not a team, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm aware. Uh, Brian Bradley, with the game already overcoached, should the computer tablets on the bench be removed? No, you can't go back on that. I mean, no, you know, the game's overcoached in football, man. Those guys are looking at plays all over the place. You know, Mm -hmm. no, I I don't. Could you limit a coach on the bench? Maybe, sure. But, uh, you know, that's not going (laughs) to. Right. To me, it's like we're barking up the wrong tree. Today. Yeah, like, like you can't, you're not stopping it type deal. Like it's going. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan Drury says, Ray, if the Capitals can't get out of the second or even the first round and Barry Trotz is let go, would they go after Daryl Sutter? Could he finally squeeze some success out of that group? It's actually like not that crazy uh, of a question. Like Daryl Sutter would step in. Yeah, no, but my, I think Todd Reardon would be the coach there. Uh-huh. Todd's been a long-time assistant, and it's hard to go from assistant to head, but he's highly regarded. He's interviewed in several places. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. The last time Washington had a coach like uh, like Daryl Sutter, it was Dale Hunter, yeah, and um, that didn't work either. He was a beauty. He was great. Oh, yeah, he didn't care. He, what I say, he didn't care. He was going to do things his way. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, absolutely. His post-game stuff was great. We should bring him back for just for that. Um, at, at Hunter's Helmet, I didn't know this, Ray. you got to tell us a story on this. Ray played one game of senior hockey with the famous Trail Smoke Eaters. 
What was the story behind yeah. that, and what does he remember about that game? Yeah, please tell us. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was 16 years old, and uh, the senior team must have had some injuries, and so they asked if I would play. And, um, you know, I talked to my dad about it. Because, I mean, you're going up against men here. There are guys in that league that are 30 years old. I was 16. Mm -hmm. And at this point, everybody kind of knew who I was, I guess, in the area. And so you got to be careful that some older guy doesn't decide to knock your block off. Show you a lesson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, just for something to do, you know. (laughs) And uh, so we decided I would play. And what I remember is it was the first time that I ever went out to warm up without a helmet. It was so cool. (laughs) And my dad told me after the game, don't ever do that again. (laughs) You know, because I had just got my braces off my teeth. You know, he's thinking, wait a minute. It's bad enough. You're going to get your teeth knocked out. And uh, you're going to have no brace. You know, all that five grand I spent on braces is out the window. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we won the game, I think, maybe like 7-4 or something. I got an assist. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. I felt like it was really fast. Oh, really? Yeah, you were oh, really. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. I played junior B, and so that was. Uh, but that was pretty cool. That was fun. So, how old are these guys? What are we talking here, senior? I don't. I don't even know. Oh, uh, up to 30, 31, 32, okay. probably. Oh, all right. Okay. I was thinking. Um, yeah. So, Tyler Bozak's dad was one of my uh, one of my favorite players growing up. Mitch. Yeah. Yeah, you'd he said was an right. outstanding centerman, passer. Um, he was gone by that time, but yeah. um, you know he was he was there. Um, Eric Nestorenko, who played with the Blackhawks when he retired, he came and played a year in Trail. Oh, he did, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there was some there was some terrific players in that league. Uh, Rod Blanchard asked how many guys you played with who has become NHL head coaches or GMs, and honestly, um, Rod, there's oh. uh, 30, 40, I don't even know, fifty. <laughs> I had uh, no idea. I mean, most of the team in Hartford. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, like, yeah. seriously, like, right. if you, uh, so Ron Francis is general manager, Kevin Deneen's a coach. Um, let's see, so that was Kevin Ronnie, Paul Wallace. Uh, I'm trying to go through the yep. line. Uh, John Anderson. Um, okay, I broadcast. Dean Evison, um, Steve Weeks, Joel Quenville. Um, Dave Tippett, Doug Jarvis, <laughs> uh, Randy Latisseur. That's from one team. Yep, yep. So, um, you know, and then I get to the Islanders, Brad Lauer, I just saw him today, uh, Brent Sutter, um, Derek King. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. Derek King was eight, yeah, with the Leafs. You know, and then with the, uh, there had to be some on the Rangers. Uh, you know, like, yeah. it starts to, it starts to add up, but I, I well over twenty yeah. for sure. Well over twenty. Uh, Wes Jacob says, "I'm a fan of the NHL video game series uh, that Ray is, does the voiceover. Can you give us some insight on recording audio for the games? You were just tweeting the other day that you were uh, doing it for the new game coming out. So, yeah, tell us a little bit." Well, I, what I will say is, there's an article coming out today or tomorrow um, uh, on the Athletic about it, and uh, so I just talked to a guy about it. But basically, uh, that screen you saw. Yep. Uh, when I tweet it out, that's mm-hmm. what you see. Um, uh, there's no lines given to me. I got to make them up. There's a premise. Okay, guy shooting the puck, it hits a guy, hits a defender, and goes in the net. Like there's that. Um, there's not much 
more than that. They're, I don't get much direction. They'll say, okay, we'd like to try something mm-hmm. along these lines, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. But most of the time, they're making sure it's in the time frame that they need, and it's not too detailed, so it can be used by the computer in various scenarios. Wow, I'm surprised. I, I thought there would be more lines for you, but you, you're given the freedom to do it, to do whatever. Yeah, oh, no, there's yeah. nothing there. Wow. There, there's literally nothing there. Huh. And um, uh, so it's kind of fun. Um, it's hard sometimes. Like, you know, sometimes your brain just can't come up with something. Like, how many ways can you say you shoot the pocket, it hits a defenseman, it goes in the net? Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to find a half a dozen. You can't say he shot it from the wing because that's too detailed. Sure. You yeah. don't know in the game if the puck's going to be shot from the middle of the wing. Yeah. And so the first couple times I did it, that was a real hindrance. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's cool. It sounds, sounds neat. Does it pay well? You don't got to tell it, us what it, what, it, what it pays, but does it, is it a good gig? Is it is it good? Yeah, it's a great gig. I'm, uh, put it this way. I'm not uh, – none of us work for free. And no. uh, they're no. very generous, and good. Uh, I think uh, I think it's I think it's hard work. Well, hard work. I no, but I think it's uh, that that that's disrespectful for people that are putting <laughs> in real hard work. It's um, it's hard. Harder than you would think. How's uh, that? Yeah, harder than you would think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like what I do now. Right. <laughs> it's, it's harder than what I thought when I started. Uh, Jay Eaton says, as a hockey parent, Ray, did you find it harder or nerve-wracking to watch Landon, a forward playing the same position as Ray played, or Matthew, uh, your other son, playing goalie with the criticism that comes with that position? Uh, always Matt until he uh, was in Bantam or, yeah, maybe Bantam. Uh, first year, uh, Major Midget, he got hit in the head with a shot. And I was always worried about his safety. And uh, and then he took off his mask, and he was fine. He put his mask on and mm-hmm. kept playing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I don't need to worry about him. <laughs> you know, I'm more worried about Landon yeah. um, health-wise than anything else. Uh, the, the stuff about the criticism, yeah. you know, the goalies take, um, uh, you do learn to hate the defensemen because they don't clear the rebounds fast <laughs> enough for you if you're the goalie parent. Sure, um, sure. Uh, as always, nobody would ever say to me directly, oh, your son gave up a stinky one, mm-hmm. right? Like nobody's yeah. going to say that. So, you know, so I didn't really worry too much about it. Uh, from Matt, I was nervous watching them both play, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Matt B says, uh, Ray, why did you choose to wear a visor? And at that, let's say it was a less enlightened time. Did you take any flack from other players for wearing one back then? What, what year did you put a visor on and why? Uh, my second year junior. Um, so I was 19 mm-hmm. and, uh, you'll like this, Steve, because yep. you're such a geek about Wendell Clark. He hit me one night in Saskatoon oh, yes. and uh, yes. split, split my head open, uh, or my forehead. So to play, I couldn't get my helmet on because my head was swollen, <laughs> uh, you know? So I put a visor on to cover the front of my head basically. And so then as the swelling went on, I just kept wearing it. I was about ready to take it off, mm-hmm. and I got hit on the hit on the visor, sitting on the bench with a puck. Wow! And I went, "I'm going to keep this on." So I kept it on, and the reason I kept it basically was that I'm smaller than everybody, mm-hmm. and lots of sticks and elbows around my eyes, and uh, I just became more comfortable with it. And yeah, I heard all the time, guys, "Oh, you're such a pussy," and all that stuff. But yeah. Eh. 
yeah. you know, so what? They were going to call me that anyway if I didn't have one on. <laughs> and so I just thought I'd protect my face. Uh, Although it didn't really help. Zero chance, zero chance that insult is thrown around today. There's something that has gone away from the game. <laughs> Making fun of something yeah, for a probably advisor. not. I guess not, right? Uh, no, I... You know? I would guess it's... I don't know what the guys say anymore. Um, Maybe it's way more polite. No, I don't even know. No wonder why you take you know little jabs at Wendell. You're very. You're still upset about this, Saskatoon. No, I don't take any jabs at Wendell. He was an outstanding player. He's not a Hall of Famer. Not even close. He was an outstanding player. Um, uh, random NHL from Leanne Rain. Random NHL for Ray Ferraro. Doug Wickenheiser, the late Doug Wickenheiser, by the way. But uh, yeah, yep. Uh, Really good player. Uh, Michael Farber, mm-hmm. the great Canadian writer, uh, just put something out a, oh, about a month ago when people were talking about why didn't Denny Savard get a, uh, drafted before Wickenheiser because Montreal had the first pick yep. and they took Wickenheiser instead of Savard. Mm-hmm. And uh, Farber said the year after, he, he asked every general manager, because there wasn't as many back then, of course, yeah. and none of them said they would have taken Savard before Wickenheiser. He was big and powerful and was dominant in junior. And for whatever reason, he just didn't, you know, it didn't quite translate to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite at the same level. He right. was a very good player, but not quite at the same level. Like he was, when he was a junior player, he was just a dominant, big, strong player. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know. Like you said, if, if Farber said that GMs are still on that board the next year, then yeah, exactly. There's a reason why, right? History's got a there funny was, way of was. doing things. Yeah, but if you would have if you would have asked now, maybe people would have said differently. But he asked the year after, and they said no. We yep. we we had Wickenheiser rated higher. Yeah. There we go. Um, also, Ray, did you see the? I know you did see the the listener of ours that has his buddy's got your old gloves, your Vaughn gloves from from Hartford days. Those are some sweet mitts, eh? Oh, man. They look like, obviously, they're pretty old, but they look pretty beat. Um, but, boy. Yeah. yeah. They were they were also pretty big. The guys all have the low cuffs now. Yep. We, there's, but this is a, so the low cuffs, that means that it just covers a couple inches above your thumb. Yeah. But when I played, you wanted bigger cuffs because guys were trying to break your wrist. <laughs> exactly. There was no slashing penalties then. No, no. So you just, yeah. You Not just like it. now. So. I would have worn shorter cuffs too, but at the time I was just trying to keep my hands attached to my forearms. <laughs> now I know from when we when we got you the silver stick that you have zero sticks from your playing days. You have some None. jerseys. Do you have any glove? What do you have? Do you have gloves? Do you have anything? Nothing. Nothing. No. Some jerseys. No. That's it. Jerseys. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I played, and what am I going to keep a pair of smelly old gloves for? <laughs> he just insulted this guy who's got your gloves. He's holding on to them like they're a treasure. No, no, but I mean, like, that's a, that's a collector. Yeah, yeah. That's different. Yeah. Like, for me, it was just my equipment, right? I'm like, eh. Yeah. I don't need it. Do you ever see do, do you, do you ever see people at arenas with some of your stuff that they want you to sign? Sticks or uh, old sticks? Every once in a while. Yeah. Not that stuff. Jerseys, usually, that they had bought or whatever. I mean, I, I know an authentic jersey when I see it. Um, in particular, uh, after my dad passed away, I had uh, a stitching in the jersey that some people have said, oh, I got your game jersey. I look at it, and I go, no, that's not it. Just crushing them, right? Just they're like, oh. Well, yeah. 
No, well, I just, I, no, it's just, that's not it. Yep. I, I don't know. Should I answer that different? Maybe. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I think I'll you take can... that. I'll take that under consideration. <laughs> I think, I think you need to do it. You need to be just tell and be like, no, no, that's not it. Uh, also, too, Robert Goodsell says Peaky Blinders is the bomb. Thanks for the recommendation, Ray. That's uh, you've been saying that for a while. You love that outstanding, series. Outstanding, yeah, outstanding. If you haven't seen it, go get it, download it, watch it. It's outstanding. I gotta check that out. I guess. I guess I should do that. Oh, you do so. Outstanding. All right. Well, hey, now uh, let's bring in our guest uh, again. Like we talked about the top Stanley Cup champion, color analyst for Tampa Bay Lightning, Brian Inglom. Let's uh, let's bring Brian in, Ray. Absolutely. As promised, uh, here he is, Stanley Cup champion, color analyst for Tampa Bay Lightning. Always a great interview. Uh, Brian Inglom. Brian, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm looking forward to this game tonight. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it should be. It should be yeah. great. Yeah. Now, now Angie, I got to tell you, we've got a a massive Leaf fan here yes. in Steve. That's me. He's. It's really. It's actually kind of sad, but <laughs> we'll talk about the Lightning, which is. <laughs> You know who you see all the time. A couple of weeks ago, uh, or last week rather, I came in here uh, for the Ottawa game, and um, I'm doing my research. I see this. I see that Tampa's nine zero and one. They're playing great, except all that I read is they're not playing great. There's a real tension around the team. Why is that? A very interesting situation that developed over the course of, I guess, a long time. Um, you could say on several occasions this year. Uh, the Lightning outscored their problems. Uh, that in a combination with some outstanding goaltending at the right time. There'd be many times where Vasilevsky would be like an octopus in the first period. You know, they'd have a terrible start and they'd at least be tied or maybe even be up one after one. They get their game going and boom, you know, away you go. I can think of one game where they beat Columbus 5 nothing in Columbus. And at the end of the, you know, you look at the scoreboard and you go, oh boy, they really took it to them. Yeah, for two periods. First period, they got smoked. And if it wasn't for Vasilevsky, they're down by three. So you had that happen a lot. So you move that forward, and it happens, and it happens, and it happens. And there there have been some high-scoring games, um, and I think that brought it to the fore even more. So everybody starts going, okay, well, you're getting to the playoffs, and you're letting you're leaky. You know, you're, you're letting in a lot of goals. What's, go, what's going on? Same thing, day after day after day. So they're still 9-0-1, as you said, before that Ottawa game. Then the chickens really came home to roost in that Ottawa game. You saw it, right? I mean, everything that could go right for Ottawa did, and everything that could go wrong for the Lightning did. And, yeah, they were terrible defensively in certain stretches of that game. So everything really kind of hit the fan. Then you play Boston, a big game, a lot of anticipation, and they lose, they lose 3 nothing. So then I thought Steven Stamkos was outstanding. Uh, going into the last game against uh, Edmonton. It was back-to-back Boston and Edmonton Saturday, Sunday. And he said, okay, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he was saying, I've had about enough of all this negative stuff. We're 9-0-1. Yeah, we, we, you know, we're being fed uh, tons of, of uh, video about, you know, we're not doing this defensively, we're not doing that defensively. The fans are talking about it. The media is talking about it. We're on each other in the room. The, you know, the, enough, enough of this. So, and you know what? He's, he's a very smart guy. So he really cleared the air in that room. They went out and played the way they normally do against Edmonton. And, yeah, they were better defensively. They didn't give Connor McDavid hardly a sniff in that game, and you know how tough that is. 
they played really well, and they played in Edmonton zone a ton, and that's their best defense is when they're playing north of their own red line. So they got the job done the way they have to do it, and I think Stamkos deserves a hell of a lot of credit for clearing the, the air the way he did. Now, has he really grown into that, Brian, over the last couple yeah. of years? Did you notice a change, like, through the free agency stuff of is he going to go, is he going to stay? Because he was very level-headed through that. And then you talk about this, which sounds like a very level head at a time when other people are losing theirs. Yeah, well, I've, I've been here three years now, and I've been increasingly more impressed with Stamkos, not, not just on the ice the way he plays, but – the captain that he is, he he is very bright. He's sharp. He knows he knows the game. He knows his team and and what makes them tick. So you know that explains what I was talking about a moment ago about let's relax here on the defensive thing. He has grown into it for sure over the years. Um, I I just think he just has a really good grasp of of reality of what his team really is about what they need in order to win. Look, they, you know, they went to the finals and lost to Chicago a couple of years ago, three years ago, two years ago, they get to the conference finals. Of course, he missed all the key games comes in for the very last one where they lose to Pittsburgh in the conference finals. That's because he had that, you know, weird blood clot thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then last year they don't make the playoffs and he's, you know, he's out of it in November. So, he there's that urgency about him that I think that's matured him too because he's had some long injuries, some weird injuries. I think that's part of it. But I just think he's a hell of a captain and has a great grasp day to day on what his team needs and what he needs to do. When when I look, uh, we're talking with Brian Engblom, who's a color commentator for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Brian, when I look at the the Lightning, what always strikes me is. Man, they, they never seem to have the same lines two games in a row. They move people all over the place. And, you know, last game they had Point and Kalorn and Yanni Gord were playing against McDavid a lot. Then today, the lines are all changed because Palat comes back. Is there a point yeah. that they settle into lines, or is this just the way that John Cooper likes to coach this group of players? Um, he has moved the, the lines around a lot this year, for sure. Um, more than I can remember last year, uh, maybe because of all the injuries. Now, having said that, obviously he had to make changes because they did have a lot of injuries, and maybe that's what got him going. I don't know um, what his reasoning is or you know why he's done that, but he really has mixed them around. You know, I I think that's a pretty healthy thing, especially when you keep winning doing it. And sometimes you know you hear the murmuring from the forwards that they they want regular line mates. But coaches get deathly afraid that you, you keep a, a line together for a while and then you go into the playoffs and you lose one guy to injury and, and, and you lose the whole line because, you know, they, you have to plug in a new guy. They're not used to it. And you lose all the production and now you've got a problem. And now, you know, games and losses are going down the drain and next thing you know, you're out. So he's got... Uh, a, a wealth of, of riches when it comes to center Iceman. And you know that's where everything starts, right? Um, he's got probably seven guys that he can play at center. So he's mixed it and matched that a lot. And some of that certainly will determine, uh, be determined by matchups, who they're playing against, how many big star players they have, et cetera. Um, and then everything else falls into line after that for the usual reasons. Who's struggling? Who needs to get goals? Who needs confidence? Who's just lousy and needs to be moved down the, the, the roster? All the usual things. 
And, you know, uh, they've, they've had much fewer injuries than they did last year, which is pretty easy to do. Um, I guess things right. even out in the long run. So um, he's been able to do that. It's still been successful. You look at his top guys, even Stamkos and Cooch. I mean, they, they didn't play a lot together, and Kucherov still is leading the National Hockey League in points, and it, and it gives uh, Cooper the ability to split them up and make a tougher matchup for the opposing coach. Hey, I heard you say something in there, Brian. You said, you know, the forwards don't like about the cage and the lines. And I'm like, okay, there's a defenseman talking. <laughs> so you guys, you know, we always used to complain about the D, you know, could you put it on our stick once in a while? You know, like, yeah, to shoot it around the boards. What was the complaint yeah. you had with the forwards? Because, like, for us, it would have been two things, I guess. One, don't take up so much damn room on the bench. <laughs> Because there's only four of you sitting there. Like, oh, you're talking about back in the day when I when we were playing. You mean is that is that what you're oh, asking? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We would say, well, you guys, just look, four of you. get down there. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you, when you yeah when you guys complained about you know, could you put it on the stick run once in a while? I'd like to give you one right off the back of the head there and see if you like the difference between that. <laughs> but at, at any at any rate, uh, I guess the biggest complaint was, and and this was true even on some pretty good Montreal teams. You know, we'd, you'd be in the offensive zone for a while. Next thing you know, there's there's a breakout and you're backing up. And we used to handle a lot more out and attacks. Than, than they do now, mm-hmm. a lot more. I mean, you know, the puck would be coming back towards our end and get two guys change it. You know, they're going to the bench. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're hoping for that one forward who remembers that there's another end of the ice. I guess that was probably my, my biggest complaint, right? <laughs> now, you mentioned playing in Montreal. Did you ever sit in that room and not look at those guys like they were just your teammates, but, oh, my God, look at some of these players, how great they are. Did that ever... You know, oh, like all the time. To you at the time. <laughs> oh, okay, I just no, I just wondered, or was it? Yeah, yeah, he's just the guys I play with. Yeah, it it was. There were certain guys that I really had like a problem getting over that with. I don't know if I ever got over it with Ivan Cornway. I only played with Ivan for a couple of years, and then he retired. I was at the very end of his career, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know he he had just such a stature. Like that team. Back then, there was still so much hierarchy. You know, it's who you were. And Ivan was a very proud guy. They, they all were. Um, but he had that old style, like, you respect him. Uh, you know, like, he's Ivan Cornway. He's gone through it. He's won, you know, 10 Stanley Cups. Yeah. And, he, you know, it's not because of, he, of his attitude. You know what I mean? It was literally his stature. And that's what he grew up with. So he's kind of the one I never really sort of felt like, yeah, I, I was like I play for him instead of I play with him. Right. I felt that a little bit. Uh, but, you know, Savard, I sat right beside Guy Lapointe for my career there, and Savard was next to him, and Larry Robinson was next to him, the big three. Mm-hmm. They were on the ice, you know, and in big games in the playoffs, one of them was on the ice all the time because, you know, you could have minute-and-a-half shifts or two minutes back then. You know, it was a totally different game than it is now. So, yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time watching them in some games because I wasn't out there as much because they were eating up all the ice time. But I, I learned a tremendous amount from them. Excuse me. And, you know, and Ken Dryden was our goalie. Uh, and it, he didn't talk very much. He didn't say very much. But when he did, and if he got upset, 
you know, which wasn't very often. Everybody's head had just kind of slowly turned, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, and he never swore. He'd just go like, geez, do you think we could get a little help around the net maybe for a minute? And, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was okay. Kenny's pissed. Okay, we we get it. Let's go. And and then you have you know wide ranging uh, emotions. Like if Larry Robinson, always a real you know pretty laid back guy. But when he got pissed, he'd be storming around the room, and he'd have steam blowing both out of both ears. And you could tell, just open the gate, just let him go. Let's watch this. And say, and Bob Gainey. Ganey would he he didn't talk a lot either. You know, guys weren't yelling and screaming all the time. Of course, the team is winning a lot. Yeah. And, but Bob would lose it. We get here's the best example about Bob Ganey. We're playing in Philly, and after two periods, no, after the first period, we're losing two to one, and but we're awful. We're <laughs> awful. And I remember walking into the room, and uh, just after I was near the one, one of the last guys to come off the ice. And I walk in, and I'm like, oh, Ganey is just losing his mind. He's throwing stuff all over the room. And you know those folding tables that you used to get anyway in the, in the visiting room with, you know, yeah. all that, the water and the Gatorade and all that stuff on it? He literally came in and with his skate kicked the bottom of the table and kicked it up in the air, everything. Like the walls were just drenched with oh, all this geez. stuff and everything. And he's throwing his gloves and he's smoking up and down. Just going, what the? It's going out there. Yeah, just a tirade. And I'm going, holy mackerel. Well, we won that game. I can tell you, we won that game. Oh. <laughs> and it was unreal. There wouldn't be things like that very often. But when they happened, st- stuff happened out on the ice for sure. Now, okay, you also played for your coach, who was the legendary Scotty Bowman. And every guy that I've spoken to has one or 27 stories <laughs> about Scotty, about the yeah. way he was, the way he did things, the way um, I told you this morning, this morning about, you know, uh, I got into an argument with Scotty one time. He was coaching Pittsburgh and he was yelling at me from behind the bench. I was yelling at him on the ice from the ice over his players. And then the period ended and Scotty was about 60 at the time. He walked off the bench and, he held out his hand waist high, like I was, you know, four, three feet tall. And his <laughs> mm-hmm. trainers were on the ground laughing. And what was I going to I mean, he's oh. 60. He <laughs> shut me down. It was oh. amazing. So, oh. Tell us a Scotty or two. Oh, absolutely. That's for sure. Scotty in his prime, when he got going on you, he was like Muhammad Ali in his prime. I mean, words just flowed out of his mouth at hyper speed. You could barely separate them. All you knew is you were in deep, you know what? It was unreal. You could get a tongue lashing that feel like you were like six inches shorter than when you were done. And you really couldn't afford that, Ray, after all that. But no. he, he was... <laughs> That was a cheap shot, I know, but it was just a follow-up to the Scotty thing. Scotty, yeah, he he could make you feel so bad; it was unreal. And he, like he went around the room at the games. Most of the games in the forum back then were eight o'clock, mm-hmm. and we'd have a meeting at six o'clock. And he often started come in and do a you know start rambling about the other team, this that goals against whatever, you know just things off the top of his head. He'd be looking up at the ceiling or kind of going okay, and then all of a sudden he'd start in on somebody, and then he'd go on to the next guy and he'd pick out four or five guys. Sometimes I'm sure pointedly, you know, but you never knew when it was your turn, and just give it to you right in front of everybody, right before the game, you know, two hours before the game, just lace into you. 
I remember one time in my rookie year, it was my, the first time I ever got it. It was like, Englund, what the have you been doing for this team for the last month? <laughs> I don't even remember. the. I mean, my, I just shut down. I just wanted to, you know, I was melting down into the, into the carpet. <laughs> I can barely remember the other words. And then he moved on to other guys. And he knew, just like Al Arbor, he knew he played for Al. He would, he would, every once in a while, he'd go after Larry because he knew Larry could take it. And he'd tune Larry up. Larry would go out and rip somebody's head off and, and uh, mm. you know, and, and, you know, have a four-point night or whatever. Um, he didn't, and I had heard the stories about Guy Lafleur and Guy's rookie year. And Guy had a tough rookie year because Marcel Dion was drafted the same year. And I heard the story, and I'd heard this from the players, said that he he had flower and tears a couple of times his rookie year. Now this is before me, so I went on yeah. the stories, but um, he he said he had flower and tears, just you know, calling him everything from gutless to whatever, and and. Uh, he, I guess one time he said, you know, the, uh, they should have told him they should have drafted Marcel Dion and not you and, you know, blah, Jeez. blah, blah. I hear, I hear this story. So we're about halfway through my rookie year. I'm in the bar with Flower one night. I said, Flower, I got to ask you this. This is what I heard. And I said, I said to him what I just said to you. And I said, is it true? And he took a swig of his beer and he put it down and he looked at me with these fire in his eyes and he went, yep. It's true, but I'll tell you right now: if it's him or me that's gone, it's him. And it was like the fire in his eyes was like, yeah, never again. And Flower was, you know, the top offensive player in the in, player in the game before Gretz came along. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there was there was always that tension. And you know, look, I joined the team the year they lost eight games all year, and and. Uh, He'd come in and still tune guys up like you just lost, you know, 11 games in a row. And just tune guys up. Everybody was off balance all the time. He never made anybody comfortable. Didn't want you to be comfortable. It was, it was unreal. It was, it was really it was tough to play, a lot tougher than you think because there was pressure uh, to win all the time. Make the playoffs? Are you kidding? You're supposed to win, especially when you only lose eight games all year. Because eight games, I can't even get my head around that. We won 14 yeah. in Atlanta. <laughs> you guys yeah. lost eight. Like that is yeah, eight, eight, eight in regulation. Yeah, there, were, there were ties back then, of course, but yeah. eight losses. Yeah. I think in the four cup years, I think it was eight, 10, 11, and 17 are the regulation losses, if I remember correctly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, there are 10, 10 guys in the Hall of Fame plus Bowman. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 astounding, uh, Brian. You you talked yeah. about the big three and, and obviously and, and Flower and, and and Ganey and everything else. And I read Ken Dryden's book and I, I love this part of the game and what stories you've got. Is there a guy though on those teams that was a bit of an unsung hero? Is there a guy that maybe got lost in the mix that you were like, this guy's a phenomenal player? Uh, it's I, mean, I feel like we've read so much about so many of them. You know, like you said, ten of them in the in the hall. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of sort of un, unsung when you have that many guys in the Hall of Fame, right? So it's a different classification. I guess he, I guess you'd go with Doug Jarvis because okay. yep. he he came right out of junior hockey um, and played with the team right away, and 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 Bowman loved him. Like I wasn't on the team yet, mm-hmm. but. And Bowman loved him right away. He won face-offs against Bobby Clarks and, the, and Brian Trotches and, sure. and you name it, John Rattels, right out of junior hockey. 
So that got him a job right away. And of course, he killed penalties with uh, with either Jimmy Roberts or or Bob Gainey. And, and he, you know, Jimmy was on the team then, and that was the fourth line, and they were the matchup line. That was back in you know back mm-hmm. in the day where he matched up against top line with the Grinders. And Jarvie Jarvie could skate. He was tough. Um, uh, tough as far as you know, being able to take the physical grind and everything, um, and you know he he never really fought. He didn't have to. He was not that big a guy, but uh, I, I just underrated on how many times he shut down and drove uh, opposing center icemen. Uh, sure. Absolutely crazy. And Ray, you played with Doug Jarvis yeah. near the end in Hartford. Yeah, I was just I was just going to tell you that when you said about Ken didn't say very much. Now Doug was was angry. Um, was he still back then? Was he instead of swearing, which he never did? Was was he saying hokey snappers? Yeah, he'd say that or rats. Rats. <laughs> yes, I hear that <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Well, you got to have some word, right? I mean, something's got to come out of you when you're angry like that. Um, and oh, yeah, he, yeah he, he was always very quiet. But boy. Talk about intensity. He never lacked intensity, boy. He was he was in it from start to finish all the time. I used to drive into the games with him because he lived just up the road, and then the wives would come in later, you know. So he would pick me up, and uh, we would go in and, uh, um, and uh, you know, just chat a little bit. He, very quiet, very extremely thoughtful oh, yeah. guys, you know, right? Um, I'm going to tell this story. I don't think I've ever told it publicly. Um, and it's because Doug Jarvis doesn't come up so often, but Jarvis gets traded to Hartford. And um, so I'm living in the hotel in Hartford. It's my first year, and it's late in the year. There's no Internet. Jarvis comes to the team, so I see him in the restaurant, and I introduce myself in the morning. we got to skate. It's an optional day, Sundays. Everybody's gone out, had a few Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. So I show him over to the rink. We're sitting there. We've got an equipment guy with red hair. And so Doug gets in and everybody's getting changed and nobody knows he's been traded because there's no internet. <laughs> right, right, sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so Jarvie's sitting on the equipment room table reading the newspaper. And all you can see above the newspaper is his red hair. One of the guys. Oh, I know it's coming. (laughs) He's he's carrying his underwear bag. So he's naked. And he comes in. He sees the equipment guy who's reading the paper. And he goes up to the equipment guy, but it's Doug Jarvis. And he sits on his leg and farts on him. (laughs) They've they've never met. And so (laughs) Doug puts the paper down, looks at him, and says, Oh, hello. And then puts the paper back up. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I've ever seen we couldn't stop and the guy came back in the room his eyes were as big as saucers he's like when the hell did we trade for Doug Jarvis <laughs> oh that's good that's oh my awesome. god that is that is hilarious <laughs> welcome to the team what an introduction Right. Oh man! Well, and the thing is, is just to wrap it up, is that had it been somebody else, it wouldn't have been as funny because Doug was so reserved and sure. so quiet. Yeah. yeah. As we exactly. learned, you know, I mean, we all just met him that day. Oh, my, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> oh my god, that, that's oh. great. Uh, well, hey, Brian, thank you for your time on the uh, Paul Pocky podcast with Ray Ferraro. Uh, great job. Um, uh, 
doing the uh, analyst on the Tampa Bay games, I was telling Ray, I don't always get to see Ray because I live in Vegas, so I don't get the Canadian feeds all the time. So uh, you are, when I watch the Lightning games, you're the guy. So a uh, great job, and it's always uh, thanks. Always do Appreciate that. wonders. Um, so thanks for coming on. So, Andy, make much, sure you bring guys. some money Enjoy. tonight. Oh. Bring some money tonight, and I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> yeah, because you have to eat. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. there I we go. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll bring you a thank you. peanut butter sandwich from home. <laughs> thank you very much. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on, Angie. Appreciate it. See you guys. Great. Take thank care. you, Brian Engelm, everybody, and uh, you'll be seeing him very shortly, Ray. Uh, as you guys yep, uh, uh, go to the rink. All right. Well, hey, thanks everybody for listening. Greatly appreciate it. Um, thanks for the reviews. Thanks for the mentions. Thanks for the tweets and everything. And uh, we'll be back here next week. Uh, thank you, Ray. Yeah, you betcha. Thanks, Steve. That's a good one, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. Keep the questions coming. We love when there's lots of questions. It's fun to hear from everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.